0: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Ian Results Podcast. Good afternoon, Alistair. It's very beautiful outside. I-, I can see the outside your window there. The sun is shining in. How are we?
1: Uh, fine, lucky Ben. Yes, full of the, the joys of spring.
0: <laughs> well, we're definitely in spring. The Six Nations are over. The daffodils are, are coming to an end. So we're firmly in the middle of spring now. So uh, it's only going to get better. Interesting week, Alistair. Obviously an interesting time, really, in, in the country. Pricing increases, things like that. So there's a lot of pressure on a lot of businesses at the moment, aren't they? How's things in the, the HR world?
1: Businesses are certainly um, certainly going to be feeling the pinch this year, I think, Ben. The last, the last two years have been somewhat surreal. Of course, rising inflation, um, is affecting everybody not just personal individuals but, but but businesses as well of course it is i hope you know, we don't want to be talking up the dreaded R word but um a lot of businesses under pressure i'm sure now
0: we, we do have a guest today but before i come to the guest there's a question that every hr person must be asked at the moment is how well did PNO ferris handle the redundancies last week alistair
1: ben is a you know appallingly badly is an understatement hugely impersonal uh of course they've Breached every recognised practice, good practice, uh, and laws. I mean, there's no collective consultation; straight to it. It's it's appalling, Ben. There's no no other way of putting it. But uh, you know, I had a couple of call I had a couple of calls out of the blue from from people um, just asking me. You know, was was it legal? And I think the answer is well, no, but they've done it. You know, it comes down to the money then, um, and I think that's what. The PNO workers have to focus on, and um, there's been quite a fair few million pounds being bandied around in terms of wow. buying out liability. And yes, the collective consultation would have, or well, the lack of, would have led to a protective award for that, uh, which would have been quite a. I'm, I'm absolutely certain it would have been the maximum uh, that the law would have allowed. Unfair dismissal, yes. How do you? How do you? differentiate 800 workers from the other few thousand in the midst you know there's been no consultation no pools of candidates no selection criteria i've no idea i'm just speculating on what uh, what led to that those being chosen i think it could come down simply to uh, the fact that the ones they chose were on a particular contract I wonder if there's been conversations with unions going on for any length of time. Again, not been published. So purely speculation, You do, but you do wonder what on earth led to them dealing with it in such a draconian fashion. Workers and their union reps just have to focus on the money now. If there's a deal on the table that is the maximum somebody could reasonably hope to achieve in the employment tribunal and maybe a bit more then you've just got to take it. It it is desperately sad, though, because obviously it's um, it's a lot of families affected. going to impact, you know, I don't know what uh, employability skills they've got elsewhere. Um, That's going to take time anyway, any retraining necessary. Uh, All the things that collective consultation and agreement with unions and proper support would have hopefully have achieved. So it was brutal. You just have to focus on the what's on the table. Is it a good deal financially, forgetting the bitterness and the anguish and upset. At the end of the day, any tribunal can only award compensation. You know, there's, Yes, a finding of unfair dismissal. What does that mean? Nothing compared to the money that's on the table. So don't go spending it. If there's a deal on the table, you're required to sign a settlement agreement. For get properly advised. If it is, if the amount is fair and, and reasonable in all the circumstances, don't waste energy battling. Take the money and get on with your life.
0: Yeah, it's the alternative. They are going to get paid out. They're going to have to, otherwise, the SAP and I will face a lot of legal expenses. Uh, and if you pick up on the job straight away, you, you
1: actually could be better. Well, uh, you know, reputationally, I mean, p ferries, you know, you kind of think of them as a, British, as a British brand, a British institution, but the damage they must have done to all those people that would use p would they now? I mean, I you know, I'm, I'm off to France at Easter and uh, you know, I looked at p at the time. Uh, they were surprisingly a good bit dearer than some of the other ferry Operators, and they weren't necessarily on the most convenient routes for me. I'm going down to to sort of southeast southwest corner of uh, Normandy, over in, over the border into the page de the Loire. So, you know, PO I think would sail to Le Havre. Um, that would be the closest I could get to where I need to be. Um, but the Dover. Calais sort of crossings were quite expensive. So you combine the cost, and I like always like their ferries, but when you combine the cost with with just the anger that I think is in the country, I, I think they're going to do themselves a huge amount of damage commercially. You know, that's, that's one of the other considerations they must surely have thought about and still thought it was the right thing to do. So. There,
0: there was a hashtag on Twitter trending don't use P&O within an hour or two of... of the- oh, I, I,
1: inevitably... Yeah, inevitably. Well, it was outrageous, you know, just to do it so impersonal. And then to find that they've also been employing uh, cheap labor um, from lands where there isn't any minimum wage, or at least the minimum wage is a lot less, you know, it just um, adds to people's uh, anger. And um, yeah, you know, you sort of think, yes, people won't use them again, that'll change people with if, if the price is right it's the british way isn't it yeah. <laughs> they'll still be back there but yeah, there you go
0: it is no an absolute nightmare of a week for, for, for companies really do act correctly and do do consult um, but uh, the, the joys of the hr world uh, as i say mr hobbs but uh, right anyway we have a guest today uh, we have a lady who has it's fair to say has been through um, what people have gone through in life and is willing to talk about today but has is now not just turned her life around, but turning many people's lives around. She professes to be a well-being consultant, um, and, and that's her trade now. Really, I, I'm not going to say too much more because I'm just going to sit here and listen to the fascinating story, uh, an inspiring story, if I may add, uh, of Mary Lawler. Good, good afternoon, Mary. How are you? I'm good, thank you, Ben. Good. Excellent. Now, uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's for a change, me this is going to really annoy me and Alistair because we're going to have to be quiet now for, <laughs> for about 10 minutes while you explain what you've been through. You've obviously sent your story prior, pulls on a few heartstrings, but uh, there's only one person that can tell that story in the way it should be told. So, Mary, over to yourself, tell us about your good self.
2: Okay. Um, about 18 years ago, I was in the recruitment industry. Um quite at a, a senior level and doing extremely well. I absolutely adored my job um, because it was very much contact with people, mentoring people, getting the person to the next position. And so I absolutely loved it, loved every part of it. And I became pregnant with my third child. And unfortunately, my employer at the time decided didn't want me in the business anymore because of my pregnancy. And I went through, the only way to describe it is hell and back because not only um, was I suffering with morning sickness throughout my pregnancy, but I was totally harassed throughout the nine months of my pregnancy. Whereas I was in and out of hospital and where I was harassed in hospital by my employer. And it was just the most difficult Time I ever went through. Eventually, I mean, I had to, I had to resign um, from my role. With resigning, I was never able to go back into the recruitment industry. Um, I suffered post-traumatic stress quite badly. I did think at, in, in time I would be able to go back into the industry, but I just wasn't able to. Um, the amount of stress and anxiety that was caused, all because I was pregnant and I was unwell when I was pregnant it was quite appalling at the time because I'd worked for you know the company for a long time I'd brought in a lot of money into the company a lot of new clients into the company um so it was quite sad that there was there was no you know communication there was no sit down let's talk about it so it was very very frustrating for me after going through it the experience I kind of I felt at the time I want I needed help straight away, um I needed some support straight away, and unfortunately at the time there wasn't an awful lot around. I know like well being at the moment is 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 the in thing, but 18 years ago, you know there wasn't much really around for me. So I decided to turn my life completely around and went back to university um, and did a masters in mentoring and then did CBT, um, mindfulness, relaxation. I wanted to become a better person and I wanted to be able to help people who were going through anything like that, any any kind of trauma. You know, I've been doing that now for 16 years, 17 years. It's been brilliant. And I never thought I would actually change my career that late in life, but it's been absolutely amazing.
0: Alistair, firstly, I think we should approach how many HR rules were broken initially for uh, Mary. Um, I mean, it's just an horrendous story and and, and one that really, if, if we're honest, 15 years ago, it was kind of the way that, that a lot of people acted incorrectly, of course. Uh, but I think Mary's case went a bit further than, than what a lot of people went through. It's harrowing just listening to it and understanding the way the world now. But I mean, how many HR laws were broken now? Never mind back then it's horrendous. yeah
1: it's i mean you know mary's case i remember very well i helped live it with her at the time but um it was a from a legal perspective an interesting case but from the from mary's perspective it was horrendous yeah i mean you know she she had little choice really but to resign when she did pretty much immediately after the birth of her of her baby it, uh, it was it was hard fought as well
0: would it be easier now to prove that case than it was then
1: no, I think the law's pretty much the same really, Ben, as it was then. Maybe attitudes have changed a bit, but in fairness, the tribunal were, were great. Tribunal were very um, in tune with the issues at the time. Some some legal commentators um, were treating it as new law. I mean, Mary, you might remember we got invited down to um, sit on the on Lorraine Kelly's um sofa weren't we on breakfast telly which um yeah i was so so i mean i had hair and i had a few less chins in those <laughs> days but even so i was so grateful that you were interested <laughs> but i, I think it, it you know as i say it was it was very raw despite the, the win but yeah i think um yeah some commentators felt that there was some new law involved at the time i don't think there was uh, what there was was just think, uh, an employer who, with the benefit of legal advice, I might add, had done things that he could arguably have a contractual right to do, but actually the motivation behind it was was purely one of bad faith and it was getting at Mary. And I, I, and I say I remember the facts of the case so well. Yeah, you know, He was doing things very much as a personal, it was very personal for him. And it was very unpleasant. And you know, Mary, as I say, you know, we 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 went at, we went on liability and went for a remedies hearing. By which time, Mary was working back in recruitment, but with friends, very supportive friends who actually attended the hearing. Uh, in the case of a couple of them, you know, as support, and they were people that Mary trusted. But you know, I remember that just the medical evidence that was available just showed that Mary was rehearsing all the things that had that she couldn't cope with, and 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 really um, could no longer work in that industry.
0: We, we all go through things like that, not particularly in employment, but in, in life, uh, a setback. And it's always the way you come back from it, isn't it? And teach others about it. So tell us about that and, where, and how it's lead, led you into what you do now.
2: As I said, I, I, d- I didn't find an awful lot of support and the support that I did find, you know, there was waiting lists, long waiting lists on NHS and so on. So what I did was I obviously, Took the bull by the horns myself really, and started to research, investigate, and to see what therapies, alternative therapies were available. I got into it more and more, and the first thing I did was started to work with young children, um, who had been going through quite you know horrific upbringings, trauma in their life, had experienced domestic violence, and I found that working with the children and giving them tools. Would help them in later life and that's how I kind of started to build up my business um, working in schools and you know some of some of the children's backgrounds are absolutely horrific um, and with my work now what I'm finding is with, with adults that I'm working with now a lot of their trauma has started in childhood so we're kind of we're on the back pedal all the time with mental health because we're trying to fix something that's already happened. And, you know, I, I've I've been campaigning and trying to get more well-being into schools, primary schools, where it all begins, um, and giving them children the tools to be able to manage their emotions because that's that's basically what it is. It's trying to take control and manage your emotions more.
0: I think that's the problem, isn't it? Is that, is that it's, uh, it's like anything in health, uh, and obviously mental health now is accepted as, as being a huge part of, be better at, I suppose, the country. Uh, sorry, we're always curing, not preventing. On NHS surely would run cheaper if we were more preventative than, than cure. Uh, certainly physical and mental health these days, I think that's a fair statement, isn't it?
2: Very much so. We kind of, we want something to happen before we intervene.
0: Yeah, I and totally that's
2: quite different. very, very sad. We need to be intervening from right from the beginning to stop anything from happening.
0: Uh, yeah, uh, we need to be healthier, don't we? Uh, uh, you know, healthier as a country, healthier as, as, a, as a nation, as a population, because in the physical health and mental health improves performance as well. So, you know, economically, then of course, it, it reverts back to that and, and makes us a, a richer country in, in, in many, many different ways. Um, and of course, that probably presents, uh, pre- prevents a lot of human.
1: Uh, resources issues as well if we're feeling better about ourselves though so oh, that's right ben it's not it's not just debate i mean i you know a lot of a lot of occupational health referrals that we make uh, these days are um related to work related stress yeah. and depression but you know it's not just the absences it's the um those actually who who attend work who are working who just aren't working well who are um, struggling to cope so it's the presenteeism as well so you know those people who they can't afford to take time off um you know the employer is only paying statutory sick pay, for example so you know obviously then they're, they're not getting paid for those first few days and then it's you know, 90 odd quid a week um it doesn't pay the bills um so there's there's a lot of people who are not getting the help that they need, who are struggling on with work, and are then facing performance issues and, and other things. So it's a vicious circle at times.
0: But it brings me to an inter- interesting question to you, Mary, then is that when you first started the, the, the wellbeing business, were you effectively talking to individuals and are you now feeling the move towards talking to the businesses that can affect more individuals that the businesses are more understanding of your services?
2: Um, yeah, in the beginning it, it was very much individuals. Um, I did kind of group sessions in schools um, for the staff um, so well-being days and so on. But a lot of companies invest in you know one day well-being sessions and they, they feel then they've ticked a little box and they're looking after their employer's wellbeing. To be honest, it needs well-being needs to be all the time you know, if you are suffering from anxiety, and let's face it, you know, lots of people experience it, life changes, you know, relationships end, and a lot of people, you know, find that really hard to cope with. And if you work for somebody that invests in looking after, you know, their employees' well-being, so getting involved more, talking to them, and a lot of people are afraid to talk about it they're afraid to say what they're going through and you know the performance does go down you know someone that's in a high-powered job if they're not happy at home they're going to bring that into work because it affects everything and every you know anxiety and depression affects every part of your life it just takes complete control of it and with myself i i want to be able to give people tools I don't want someone to have to always, you know, be in counselling or always have therapy. So what I what I like to give is tools. And sometimes that takes, you know, six months, seven months to work with with individuals. But then that individual has the power then and they're able to control their emotions. They're able to manage change. So when anything does come up again, that they've got they've got that to help them.
0: And, and of course, Mary, when you come in after the event, it's always dearer. For the company, uh, and yeah. if whereas if you're uh, you're a regular at the, the company, because you've got if if you come in after the event, you've got to get to know the person, understand the person, yeah. and what they've gone through. Whereas if you're there as a regular feature, once, twice yeah. a month, a week, whatever it needs to be, you get to know that person. It's a little easier to talk to for them to open up. It's actually a cost saving in the end, isn't it?
2: It massively, massively, because you, you, as I said, you're there all the time. You build that relationship up, you build that trust. And what I have found is every every successful client that I have is all being built on trust. You know, it's and the same with employers, employees. You build a trust. You you'll get so much back from the people that are working for you. But also- so much more respect. So much more engagement. You know, we talk about work engagement, uh, but it works both ways.
0: Management trusts what you're saying then to them as well, when you're feeding back to them, how they can help as well, the situation if you're there regular.
2: Yeah, and, and as well, I mean, management needed too. You know, we're all only human beings. You know, everybody needs it. When I, when I researched it and looked at it, therapy in the USA, is it's not hasn't got a stigma stuck to it. Whereas in the UK, it's very much there's a stigma, you know, therapy should be just like going to the gym. You know, we look after our bodies, but we don't look after our minds. Yeah. And our mind is the most important part of our body.
0: Yeah, it's about what you put into your mind, isn't it? And what exactly and what it comes out? Well, I think we've covered off a lot there. Uh, I was still such a short time. Mary, what's your company name?
2: Uh, it's Clear Mind Therapy. What I offer is very personal. Um, I'm passionate about what I do. I'm passionate about helping people. I, I kind of have that attitude that, you know, I get somebody and I know I can get them to a better place. Yeah. And, you know, I don't give up on anybody. And that's just me. It's the way
0: I am. Wonderful. Alistair, anything to add to, to that? I mean, I've, I'm blown away. And- no, I
1: was just going to say that, um, that, that hopefully Mary will be doing some more work with, with human results. Um, we can offer to clients some of Mary's group therapy sessions uh, as a as a cost-effective cost, cost effective way of addressing mental health in the workplace. So, yes, the details will be available on our website.
0: Fantastic. Mary, thanks for joining us today. It's been an absolute uh, pleasure to meet you. It's thank been a great story, uh, a little bit heartbreaking at times, but, um, but as I say, at least you're... You are where you are now and, and you've learned from the experiences and you've passed that experience that experience on to others, which is invaluable. So thank you from from whoever you've helped. Thank you for that as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much all. Goodbye, goodbye. Thanks, Ben.